You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back to a special bonus episode of Distilling Theology. Justin, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> yeah, it's been like uh, two hours, I think. Yeah. Two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> uh, every single time that uh, that you roll in the intro, it kills me. Uh, you, you just like you're when we're recording at your uh, studio where you work. And your boss is like, oh, there's Blake's podcast voice. Yes. <laughs> Can immediately it tell. It's like your phone voice, but it's different. Right? Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, so we have a couple guests on with us. And actually, we're guests on their show. So this uh, episode aired previously on their podcast uh, on Friday. And then we're re-airing it here so that you guys can enjoy some of the fun conversation. You guys, if you enjoy this, you should definitely go check out our friends at the Assurance of Pardon podcast. If you didn't enjoy it, you should definitely go leave them a five-star review anyways and show them some love. So uh, thank you guys for joining. We've got Scott and Gage with us here from Assurance of Pardon. And now we're going to jump into their episode. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week uh, on the rest of our DT podcast. Gage and Scott, let's go to Assurance of Pardon. (laughs) Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, an intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. Gage, I'm excited to have the uh, the uh, Distilling Theology guys on. Uh, Gage just says, we're going to do this podcast with these guys, and they talk about liquor and Reformed theology. I said, oh, so they're Presbyterians? He's like, well, you know, this is like... They're 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 uh, they're Baptists. Yes. Uh, did you see the Babylon Bee article that, that said Baptists are now excited that they can wear a mask to the liquor store? <laughs> oh yeah. All right, right out the gate, we're we're yeah. gonna get get yeah. those emails. I love it. I'm here for it. Look, man, I was excited. You you said let's drink alcohol and talk about theology, and and I had new friends, and so we you're, we're half and half. Blake's basically a Presbyterian. We just got to find him the right church, and and uh, you know Justin's working on it. If they if they decide to leave the Wesleyan Church, I'm just going to make a road trip, and we'll talk about it. So God is not sanctifying everybody at the same rate, and so um, so. That's uh, somebody I heard uh, R.C. Sproul Jr. one time. Somebody <laughs> came up to him and said, "Hey, I really like your books. I wanted you to know I'm a Reformed Baptist." And he said, uh, "Oh, that's my second favorite kind of Baptist." And they said, "Oh, what's your first favorite?" And he said, "Former Baptist." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hi, my name's Gage, and I'm it. a former Baptist. Yeah, hi, Gage. Yeah, well, awesome. Yeah, we're real glad to have you guys. I'm Blake from Distilling Theology. Yes, and I'm Justin, also from Distilling Theology. And we're glad to be here, <laughs> hanging out with you guys tonight. So you guys, alcohol. at the beginning of your episodes, talk about normally what you're drinking, right? Indeed. We do. Um, so what are, we, what are we drinking tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Blake and I so, are drinking Kirk and Sweeney 12-year rum, yes, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. I've uh, really enjoyed 
um, diving off the whiskey and into the rum. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a different um, liquor, which which has been really great. Apparently, it's an aged rum. There's no specific uh, type, I guess, or, or um, sure. size barrel required or anything like that uh, or any set. But, yeah, um, apparently yeah. it's 12 years. 12 years um, in American oak casks. Yeah. And it has a 95, uh, 95 score on Wine Enthusiast. It was named one of the top 50 spirits of 2013 and was called one of the best new rums of 2013 by liquor.com. Um, what I really like about this rum is that the bottle was under $30 here in upstate New York. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty great for, for a mixer, but also just as something to sip. Um, so what about you guys? What are y'all sipping tonight? So I have... The Kraken. I don't know if you can say black spiced rum. Uh, it's a fun favorite. Mix it with with Coke. Uh, and I uh, would be remiss if I didn't get to give Scott a hard time about the fact that he only likes clear liquors. So he's like rich women on diets, as Ron Swanson says. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you, I'm just teasing Scott. What do you yeah, What do you got? His bookshelf, though. That's yeah, true, I, man. I, his bookshelf looks better than mine. I have to like I'm, turn my laptop. Look, because uh, one of my church members, David Filio, gave me a hard time. Look, I actually do read on occasion. Um, you know, they are gonna. They don't let you be Presbyterian if you can't read, and so that's. I do have bookshelves, ladies and gentlemen. So when when this comes and hits YouTube, uh, David Filio can stop giving me a hard time. <laughs> yeah, Scott, what I'm are you drinking? drinking a, I'm drinking a vodka from Rocktown Distillery, a Little Rock based uh, distillery, yes. for, which is, can be found at RocktownDistillery.com. It's a uh, um, it's a wonderful uh, vodka. I'm having a it's a nice it's uh, unlike uh, my brothers up north. It's a hundred degrees and hundred percent humidity down here right now, and so. Uh, this is a very, very cooling having a, uh, first of all, I'm in the South, so I'm drinking it out of a legit Mason jar. That's if awesome. You have mason jars. If you have Mason jars and you don't drink yeah. out of them, then you're using them incorrectly. Amen. Um, true. Absolutely and true. Absolutely yeah. true. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking so, out of a glass that says hashtag dad life because I have a five yes. month old. So yeah. Nice. Oh nice. yeah. So uh, vodka, club soda, Tiny splash of grapefruit juice is my what I'm doing. Yeah, perfect. Nothing I'm wrong with that. Yeah, not at all. Are for, are for rich women on diets. Nah, it's <laughs> so when I was a bartender at a speakeasy bar in Albany, um, I used to, you know, I'd give people a hard time. But at the at the end of the day, what I always tell people is, you know, if you if you enjoy it, then good on you. Same thing with the coffee. Like if it's if it's how you enjoy, you know, your your alcohol with your friends, then great. Like, I'll just give you a hard time about it for a few minutes. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's and the same thing to my my friends who are teetotalers and aren't the not the conscience binding, sure. you know, pietists, as, as you guys mm-hmm. were talking about a few weeks ago uh, with pietism, which was just awesome. Um, such a uh, a plague, unfortunately, I think, in yeah. our in our uh, church culture of that this idea that we uh, we have to do all these things um to, to constantly be re resaving ourselves like a video game. Um, <laughs> you mean like a, like a teenager at uh, youth camp? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Every friends are friends till Friday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I will definitely bind the conscience though of my friend who only drinks, uh, uh, you know, uh, alcoholic beverages that come in long tubular shaped glasses and have names like pink drink. Um, yeah, yeah I, I will definitely bind his conscience. Fair enough. 
<laughs> Blake, if you were a bartender, you'd probably have you you. Uh, here's a drink you may not have heard of. It's a uh, it's vodka, orange juice, and uh, milk of magnesia. That's a Phillips screwdriver. Um, um, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, back in the day. It's the worst dad joke ever. It's amazing. It's the worst. Good illustration. We're all about the dad jokes over here at DT. That's true. I know you are. I know you are. Dad life. Listen, Scott's got plenty of them. Scott, how many kiddos you got? Uh, Five at last count. (laughs) Amen. Even I'll say dat post mill. I have one that I can hardly keep track. We are literally making disciples. Uh, Mm. I I tell you, the the thing with... um, what we're doing this season on Assurance of Pardon is we're going to begin the each week we're going to begin tackling a a trite, cheesy, or just right, uh, right lame uh, slogan describing the Christian faith that yes. is uh, unhelpful, inaccurate, misleading, heretical, but adorable. I lo- like like. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Saint or, you know, we, we could just, you know, the marketing guy, I mean, needs to alliterate a little bit. So we'll call this hashtag problematic phrases. Um, you know, so guys, what are some problematic phrases you can think of off, off the top of your head? I'm going to need a little run me first. Helps themselves. Oh, Ben Franklin. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's taste some spirits oh, yeah, here before. Taste this before me and I'm excited. If we're going to be diving into bad evangelicalism. Cheers. Mm. I like it. Oh yeah, man, um, this is so smooth. Oh man, it's, it's very um, toasted. Yeah, like a toasted, uh, a toasted marshmallow, scotch, toffee, yeah. some some plum maybe. I'm gonna have it's to request light. it, man. Uh, yeah. We were, yeah, you I know, went to so in Conway is a um, we'll call it a moist county because all the restaurants serve alcohol, but there's no alcohol actually in the city. Um, you see, you have to Yikes. drive like 20 minutes uh, to the liquor store. Um, so I couldn't find it <laughs> after the oh. 20 minute drive. Um, so, oh. I, but those guys are really good there um, yeah. at Lake Liquor. To, I, I could probably say, "Hey, I need a Kirk and Sweeney 12 year." Yeah, you know, like I don't know what that is. Write that down. And I, I will say, if you're going to get a rum for around 30 bucks, get the Diplomatica Exclusiva. That stuff. Yeah, that's like really- is quintessential. Pirate rum. I mean, it's it is true. so good. This stuff, I think, is so that is like this more dessert This is a this is a much lighter palate, lighter yeah. body on the tongue. Um, but that that makes me think of uh, some some phrases. We talked about this a little bit on uh, a couple weeks ago, just briefly. But um, and this one this one's funny because I feel like this is cultural appropriation on the part of evangelicals. But they take Francis of Assisi's statement, um, preach, always preach the gospel if necess- when necessary, use words or use words if necessary. You know, some variation. But it's funny that evangelicalism is so latched on to that very Catholic phrase. And what I said with Justin when we were talking about it, um, like I think. I can't speak to Francis of Assisi. I haven't read him very much, so maybe he does mean it as tritely as it sounds. But I, I think there's probably something deeper in that. Of you know, if your life doesn't look anything like it's been hit by the gospel, then you're not doing that. But then there's the the Piper clip of nobody's gonna get saved watching you take a bowl of soup to an old woman. Like, <laughs> but it's true. The gospel is is a message, good news. If I'm it's like, <laughs> it's true. Uh, that's one that that's one that gets me, well, especially because people I, always use it that way. 
And, and man, that's the that's actually the the one I wanted us to unpack and talk about tonight is mm. is that phrase by Francis of Assisi, which uh, you know floated around in somewhat obscurity until it got memeified on Instagram and Facebook and got shared over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Preach the gospel at all times, uh, if necessary, use words. Um, I want to unpack why it's so unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you made the reference to, to nobody's going to get saved by watching you uh, bring soup to somebody. Yeah. Um, imagine that phrase. Imagine a phrase, feed the hungry at all times. If necessary, use food. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. There is a moment. <laughs> When you ch- when you change it around and you just swap out a few of the things, it just becomes yeah. absurd. Right. That, True that the because the gospel is is an announcement. So there are um, um, yeah. Wh- first of all, Blake, you you brought up what do you think people are trying to hopefully communicate with sure. that phrase? I I think the best the benefit yeah, of the yeah. I mean, this is just from my own experience. I went to Regent University in Virginia Beach, which is uh, like trans-denominational, but it's very, very much charismatic, Baptist, Baptistic, um, but not like reform, not like the core. Don't appropriate my denominational (laughs) affiliations. Uh, It was, you know, it was a very, um, and I'm grateful for the experience. I met a lot of great people there. I was challenged to learn a lot of things, but it also, there was a lot of that kind of talk among the, the ministry team there, and uh, it's not a knock on anybody there. It's just, you know, you have a bunch of college students, of course, and a charismatic environment. People are going to say that stuff. And and there was a lot of good, which this is a positive side of it. There was a lot of people doing, who were taking Christ's words seriously about loving the least of these. They were doing prison visits. They were doing um, homeless ministry. They were serving in soup kitchens. They were doing fundraisers to raise, to get, uh, you know, and, and donations to get things to give to kids who had need in the winter. Like they were doing things that we are told to do um, to love the least of these. But so, so that's on the positive side. On the negative side, I think, unfortunately, what is meant is, uh, which we this kind of comes down to most of these issues, right? Is it's a a downplaying of the actual message of the gospel and mm-hmm. the sufficiency of Christ, and that somehow you have to you have to entertain. It, it's almost like the entertainment thing, right? It's almost like the you know we need the smoke machines and the and the lasers sure. to to bring people in. It's like we have to give them this visceral immediate, like they have to see this example, and then they'll believe. But the scripture tells us they can see a man raised from the dead. And they still won't believe. Right. Exactly. And I think, too, you know, kind of going back to our episode with John Moffat, right? Like, it almost even has that pietistic flavor underneath and maybe even at its roots that um, your life should be um, constantly doing these works to such an example that if you're if you're in your Bible enough and if you're praying enough and if you're loving the poor enough and if you're whatever— your thing is enough, um, then people will just naturally know and they'll be curious as to, to what's happening. Um, and I think and, we see that yeah. with like churches like Bethel, right? Sure. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they will assert this idea that if you're, if you're on the path, <laughs> uh, that your life's going to be filled with miraculous things left and right and up and down. Mm-hmm. And I think on the contrary, what I've seen a lot is, uh, in addition to that, that, that often leads to the idea that, well, if you're suffering from this sort of sickness, it's because these sins are in your life. And, mm. you know, then um, 
you know, if you have, you know, cancer, it's because this is your sin in your life and so on, and you didn't have enough faith and so on. So I think a lot of times it'll, it'll, um, come with additional baggage that was maybe yeah, even unintended as well. Um, yeah. because you know, bad theology hurts people and <laughs> we don't realize the extent to which bad theology can impact uh, all of our, uh, orthopraxy. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, the truth is that, that what there is a confusion of in this statement and, uh, and in just pop theology in general is a confusion between the gospel and implications of the gospel mm. or the gospel and, and how shall we then live to quote mm. Schaefer Schaefer and, and, yep. and, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and that's, what's going on here. Uh, there's other, there are other, because, because of course the, the gospel is an announcement. It's a, it's a good news. And so you'll hear phrases like be the gospel, right? We need to be the gospel, which is like saying you need to be the six o'clock news. Right? You, I, I can't, I can't be the six o'clock news um, right. or a phrase like uh, gauge. You're the only Bible. Some people will ever read. Mm. Whoa. No. That's, that's horrible. That's horrible. But these Yikes. are, these are all the same. Those these are kind of sister phrases that kind of yeah. latch on and tangentially are saying the same mm-hmm. thing uh, mm. that, that because they're confusing the gospel with the implication of the gospel. So you're right. I think it is. I think there is a, a desire to, to, to live in an attractive way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, right. Nobody's going to be saved by watching how kind I am. They need, right. they need the offensive message of the gospel and the gospel is never going to be offensive it, it, when it's explained in that way. So the gospel yeah. is, uh, is the, the message of the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what it is. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and repent and be baptized, uh, you and your household. Amen. Uh, um, Justin. Yeah, sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, um, and so that there, that there are all sorts of things that we could say are implications of the gospel. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and it's fine to talk about those things, but, but yeah, the, I, I can't, I can't preach the gospel without sharing that. I mean, the the book of Acts doesn't work that way, right? Yeah, even in that, it it flies in the face of Romans ten, right? If faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, then you have to open up your mouth and speak, right? Like yes. that's that's the way that works. <laughs> like if if this is if this is the way faith is is given as a gift by God through um, the uh, fallible and and broken men. If if he's taking crooked stri- uh, sticks to make straight lines, to quote propaganda, right? Um, then you, you've got to actually say something. You've got to actually give the gospel. You don't want to assume the gospel, right? You don't want to say, "Well, they kind of understood what I meant." You don't want to talk around the gospel. You want to like tangibly give them the gospel every single week because Unless that, you're Todd that's White. what it saves. Then you just stretch out some legs and people are saved, right? That's it, man. <laughs> Look, Put the Bible I'm, on your head. I'm terrible at PT, so I don't know that, that, that I need, need to be stretching any, any legs at all, right? Uh, you know, but that, that's the thing. And even even to the, the, the sister phrase, if we can call it that, of you may be the only Bible people read. Well, that's a problem. That means they're not reading their Bible. That's the first <laughs> issue with that <laughs> phrase, right? The second thing is, um, and it goes to this point, um, I can't be the gospel for someone 
any more than I can save any someone any more than I can. This is another phrase we could get into. And that's what we can kind of chase a whole rabbit and a whole episode on this. I can't be Jesus to anyone. Right. That's also problematic. Right. You, you need yeah. to you need to be Jesus to them. I can't. If I could, <laughs> he wouldn't have come. That's the that's the whole thing. Mm. And I will kill myself and feel um, like an absolute failure yeah. Under the crushing weight of trying to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. even to the point that anytime I fail or anytime um, I sin or any anytime that that I just don't have it together and I need grace and I need the gospel given to me every week. Um, when I fail, then I'm going to think, well, I'm, I can no longer be Jesus. I'm out mm-hmm. like I tried to be Jesus and I failed. Mm-hmm. So I guess this whole thing falls apart. You know, that yeah. kind of also reminds me of the phrase. uh God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now listen, guys, we're going to, you, you're going to, we, we can't give away our whole season. We can't <laughs> too many of these. One episode. <laughs> let's just rattle them off. And now so, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to just beat this dead horse All right. for <laughs> half an hour. Well, no, and then we'll have, we have a whole stack of dead horses back here. Beat, uh, Behind the, Scott's in, books. In it's just, the, there's a yeah. door <laughs> and it's just dead horses. Well, well back to the, um, the, you're the only Bible someone might ever read. Uh, mm. another problem that just kind of is sticking in the, like, it's like a little, 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 uh, thorn in the back there is, um, the Bible is the authoritative record of God's special revelation. It is his word and the word <laughs> became flesh and dwelt among us. And that ain't so, you. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. so what, what is, I think unintentionally being said is outright heresy. I don't think that it's intended that way. I know it's not intended that way, but what is unfortunately actually communicated under the surface of that is if you're the only Bible someone ever reads, you are the message, as you're saying, you are the word. Now you're the incarnation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, really frighteningly danger. Will Robinson. Right. Um, and, And again, I don't think most people would consciously ever intend that by the phrase, but sure. the implications, if you continue to draw that down and it's not that far, you're the, you're the word, you're the Bible, yeah. you're the text. Like that's right. That's scary. Um, but again, I think what you're saying, Scott is, is spot on. It's the difference between the, the, the content and the substance of the gospel itself. And what naturally follows as a result of the of the gospel the effects of the gospel right the the what happens after the fact it's i mean it's kind of comes into the whole pietism gospel dichotomy right it's it you you have flipped the script um with faith and works (laughs) basically i mean it seems like that a lot of it seems to come into that romish understanding of of the relationship of works i I would probably argue the root of some of that phrase would have probably come from the idea of like Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Um, sure. Mm-hmm. We are to be imitators of Christ, and, and therefore yeah. we should be acting as Christians, right? Christ-like. But that's not to say act as Christ, like you are Christ. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. There's a pretty big distinction there, and and that's why semantics are so important, Did you right? just say distinction? We <laughs> distinguish. Uh, semantics are important for that reason. Words mean something. 
Well, I want to I want to also push back one of the reasons I think that this phrase preach the gospel at all times if necessary use words. I think this phrase is very attractive to unchurched millennial types who have mm-hmm. a bad taste in their mouth about church. Maybe they've mm-hmm. maybe they've heard preachers that they didn't that did they didn't enjoy hearing or they were offensive. Um, and so they they love the idea that you can have a a a serious and devout sounding phrase that flies in the face of maybe some, some, um, some revivalistic upbringing they may have heard because the, the default mode of the human heart and the default mode of, of, uh, especially of the evangelical world, unfortunately is that the gospel is, is moralism. Mm -hmm. If, if we go and knock on the door of somebody and they open the door and we say, hi, we're from so-and-so church. We're here to tell, tell you about the gospel. What that person probably thinks we're going to talk to them about is how to be a better person than they currently are. Listen, mm-hmm. we're really good people. We know you're not because you're home on a Sunday morning watching TV and you're not at church. So we're here to tell you. And, and so if you believe that the gospel is moralism, is is straighten up and fly right get your stuff together and 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 hold it together if you believe that then the way you will inevitably respond to that is you will push back because you'll either believe i'm already moral and shame on you for trying to suggest i'm not um two i know some christians and they don't have it all together and they pretend like they do they'll they'll have some they'll have some some taste of hypocrisy uh Mm -hmm. and i I don't need to i don't need to go to church in order to be a good person and so they've seen they have seen uh unfortunately people who claimed the name of christ and did horrible things and if because they and which is which is which is horrible uh, and so there, the idea of they, they maybe know somebody who claimed to be a Christian and acted badly. And so they say that person preached the gospel at all times, but it didn't match up with their words. So it, it's, it's, it's just a really, really bad confusion of what the gospel is, what the, how it's not, it's not moralism. We're not saved by our, by our good works because people, everybody believes they're a pretty good person. Well, and, right. and so they, they right. Right. And well, so they, go ahead, go ahead, Gage. No, you're good. So like, um, I, I would also say, I think too, some of it's an in-house issue that we got to deal with as well. Right. That in evangelicalism, um, in, in a lot of ways, especially, uh, where we live in the South, um, where evangelicalism is so, uh, dominant and there's a church on every corner, um, there's a lot of things that evangelicalism in, in the last, um, 50 years even has hitched their, their wagon to that is extremely problematic. And so you've got um, outsiders kind of looking in going, Hey, this man, this feels inconsistent. This, this feels like this doesn't make sense. Uh, This feels um, hypocrisy, right? This feels super hypocritical. This feels like, I don't understand how you're telling me this on Sunday, but this is the ideology that you're identifying in, right? With justification by radio station or justification by beverage or justification by voting booth or whatever, right? Um, that that kind of in-house issue, that, that's our team. We've got to own, own our stuff here in, in that respect. That kind of also fuels the fire of... Well, hey, let's let's find this this guy, this Catholic guy outside of evangelicalism that we can then bring this really, uh, 
you know, general phrase in that makes us feel better and then put it in a meme so we can be passive aggressive about it on <laughs> social media. And boom, there you go. Boomers get get some evangelicals. Right. Like that. That's that's kind of has that hint to it as well. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think it probably also appeals to a generation where everything is so obsessed with tolerance. Right. It's this mm-hmm. idea that you can be tolerant to your friends that don't agree with you and and, you know, with your gay friends and your Wiccan friends and your Mormon friends. And you don't really have to talk about the gospel because you're you're being the gospel. Right. You're acting. And so they're going to be saved by hanging out with you and you can just not talk Osmosis. about any of these hard yeah. issues. So it, it, it allows you to to feel good and put your head on your pillow at night and sleep comfortably thinking, Oh, well I'm saved, you know, and I'm preaching the gospel because I'm living like it. And then, and then not actually engaging with any hard issues or any difficult discussions or actual, actually engaging the word. Um, and, and I think that would also tend to lean towards laziness and reading the word because why bother reading if you don't have to talk about it, you just got to yeah. live it. So um, I think just more slew of issues um, in an age of tolerance and, and you know acceptance of everything, yeah. Uh, the the, pro- the problem with that's the scriptures, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you ju- if you just take the Gospel of John and you just take Jesus's interactions in the Gospel of John, that's not the way he approaches Nicodemus, the, <laughs> right. the, the scholar, <laughs> yeah. the religious leader who's supposed to have his stuff together when he comes in the in the middle of the night so that no one knows he's coming and having this conversation, and he has the conversation with Jesus, and Jesus's first conversation with him is. Hey, how do you not know what I'm saying? Like, why? How is it, why is this new to you? Yeah. Like, this shouldn't this shouldn't be the first time you've heard this, or it, or that the first time we've had this conversation. That that seems problematic, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. the next chapter, when he meets um, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, he, Jesus goes all in, right? Like, hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five of them, and the, and the old man you're hanging out with right now isn't isn't even your husband. And the reason you're hanging out here in the middle of the day is because you've obviously gained a reputation for yourself the way you can't be be with the, the rest of the folks at the well and then he you know she goes well let's have a conversation a theological debate about mountains and he's like there's going to come a time where it doesn't even matter this mountain that mountain whatever like the father is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth and he just goes right at it right but if if the mo is preach the gospel and when necessary use words and then chapter three and chapter four of John are just blank pages because there's no conversation. Right? Yeah. The, like, the, the only person who had the power to be the gospel, uh, um, did way more than be the gospel. He, he, he's preached. He called people to repentance. He called people, he, 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 uh, you know, he, he, so, so it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's, you know, let's, let's consider brothers what Romans uh, 10 says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? That talks about speaking. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's about talking. And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, uh, but they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. So, so the gospel clearly is a spoken claim, a spoken truth about the, the an announcement of the work of Christ on their behalf that we have to call people to obey. Um, that that Romans 10 passage flies absolutely in the face of this idea that you can somehow preach the gospel without words. Yeah. I'm still stuck on this idea that 
I am the six o'clock news. <laughs> <laughs> Look, half well, the reason, yeah, half the reason I'm friends with Scott Davis is for his analogies. Let's just be honest. Yeah, well, thank you, Michael. Michael Horton has a has a beautiful analogy about how we are guilty of taking good news and turning it into good advice. And he says, mm-hmm. "Imagine that you are a king. Maybe imagine you live in a in a village, and your army has had to go out and fight the bad guys. They've sent soldiers out to fight the." foes on the field of battle and you're waiting to hear what happened and if the if the battle has been lost then your your guys are going to send back messengers who are going to give advice they're going to say batten down the hatches bury your gold hide your women and children here's a bunch of stuff you got to do because you're probably going to perish uh they're going to give advice um if, however, the victory was real and it happened and the foe was defeated, they're not going to send back good advice. They're going to send back good news. They're going to say, uh, 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 slay the fattened calf. Uh, and they're going, to, they're going to bring this beautiful announcement uh, of, of heralds uh, calling you to celebrate and enjoy what has been accomplished on your behalf. It's, it, it's, it's, and so we're, we're guilty of turning uh, the good news into good advice. Um, because we misunderstand what the gospel is and we misunderstand implications of the gospel. We call people to, to we, we attract people to the church with sermons about how to manage your money and how to, how to, how to, uh, um, have a better marriage, how to have better behave kids, how to get your dog to quit jumping on the sofa, how to get a stains out of, uh, hard to reach, uh, out of, out of fabrics. And, uh, uh, rather than, uh, uh, calling people to repentance and faith. Sorry, I got on the soapbox there. No, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Keep preaching, sir. It's great. Amen. Yeah, yeah, so the, it, it reminds me of uh, you know Anthony Hukuma in the Bible in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about how at the end of World War II, there were sections of Poland um, that didn't know that um, that the Nazis had been defeated and that Hitler had killed himself and that the war was over and the allies were advancing. And so, um, kind of in a similar, you know, last month we celebrated Juneteenth kind of in that same fashion, people, the allies had to go and announce, Hey, the war is over. The enemy has been defeated. Mm. You're set free. Uh, we've already released all the, the captives from the concentration camp the 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 axes the they they're done you can you can go now right imagine if they had walked if they had taken the advice um you know preach freedom and when necessary use words they that, that wouldn't have worked right like there would have been there would have been no conversation and they would have continued to be oppressed um the gospel is the announcement of the victory of the king when he raises from the dead the first thing he says is all authority in heaven and earth is given to me right that's the announcement i own all this i won i'm getting ready to present myself to the ancient of days and then i'm going to sit down because it's done Right. And so we have to preach the gospel because we have to announce the victory that the king has won. There's a there's a gauge. You, you mentioned you mentioned the Great Commission and Christ's uh, having all authority 
there's a uh, a quote from Douglas Wilson who I, I don't agree with on everything. You have to always say that when you when you invoke Doug Wilson's name. Um, uh, I uh, there's a quote from Doug Wilson from his his little post millennialism book, which is quite good, where he says, uh, "Now this understanding, this is the fact that Jesus already has all authority. This understanding radically affects what we are doing when we seek to fulfill the Great Commission. Are we trying to do something, or are we telling the world about what has already been done? Are we fighting the principal battle?" itself or are we announcing the victory afterwards this is not a campaign where we are trying to get jesus elected to anything he is already seated at the right hand of god the father and he is already the king of idaho virginia maryland and massachusetts we have the task of announcing to the remaining rebels in the hinterlands that their capital city has fallen their ruler dethroned and that resistance is futile this is what it means to therefore go jesus has all authority We're not trying to get any more for him on the basis of this established authority. We are to preach to the nations and announce to them their responsibility to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Beautiful quote. Yes. What book is that? Is that which... Uh, is it, I think it's heaven misplaced. Is that the yeah. name of it? It's the, that's, yeah, his, that's his uh, treatise on uh, post-millennialism. Next on my look on my, on my list here, I'm, I'm reading through, um, the uh, post-millennial Gentry's post-millennial book right now. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. also really good. There you go. There you go, man. I think that's a, that's a good place for us to stop Scott. Um, we'll be sure and include all these good resources. I think we incl- quoted Schaefer and uh, Wilson, Hukuma and, and others uh, in the show notes. So you guys can uh, have a good excuse to buy more books. Um, and we'll continue to kick these dead horses and deal with these problematic phrases all throughout the season. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, feedback from you guys on um, what phrases you want us to handle next or what are some you, you heard growing up. Maybe it was let go and let God. Maybe it was um, God uh, will never give you more than you can handle or, or any other fun, fun Christianity things. is a relationship, not a religion. Right. John um, Kelvin's Institutes of the Christian Relationship. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we're going to handle all these phrases and more because we want you guys uh, to be educated and, and to understand the gospel and be able to not be tossed to and fro um, by, by every cheesy phrase that you hear from evangelicalism. Um, so uh, be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and visit our website, Assurance of Pardon, uh, and follow us on uh, and basically anywhere you listen to your podcast. We've tried to make sure that, that we are on all the major platforms and Thank you guys, Distilling Theology. Thank you so much for being yeah, guests go with check us. Out, also, go check out Distilling Theology. It's distillingtheology.com. Is that right, gentlemen? That That's is right. it. That's right. Actually, it's distillingtheology.com. I love it. Got to throw it on caps lock there. Yeah. We're also That's on it. all the social media and yeah. all that stuff. And Patreon. That's hey. it, man. Absolutely. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, be sure and like them on social media. Follow the the Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Um, And if you, uh, during the quarantine and during all the Zoom meetings, uh, need a good excuse for a Zoom meeting, um, there's a reading group, right, guys? You want to talk about that for just a second? Yeah, we're reading through The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bobbing. It is unbelievably wonderful. Um, (laughs) Pun intended. And... Uh, we highly recommend uh, you pick up a copy and read it for yourself. And if you want to join in the discussion, uh, join uh, join the Distilling Theology Reading Group group. Uh, uh, if you go on Facebook, you can just search for that. Uh, and every week we do um, on the weekends we'll do a discussion a Zoom meeting 
and talk about um, the chapter that we read for the week. We'll go through uh, some of the questions uh, that were asked and so on, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. I've, uh, you know, working through the Institutes, working through Joel Beakey's Reform Systematic Theology, um, and a couple other things in varying stages, uh, I'm amazed and awestruck by the immediacy and tangibility of wonderful works of God, how he systematically preaches through the doctrines of Scripture, but he does so in a way, it, I, I heard it described, it's like he's the master craftsman who's who's presented his work and hidden his tools. Um, so unlike the full four-volume dogmatics, he doesn't uh, go into every nitty-gritty detail and answer every question. He's most concerned with edifying the, the believers in the church um, by presenting doctrine in clear, everyday language. And uh, it's as, I mean, to, to quote your dad's phrase, Justin, it's like the, the pages are still wet with the ink. Um, it feels so uh, close to our our age and the issues that we face today. Indeed. Uh, so it's been a real blessing. Indeed. Yeah, Scott mentioned Schaefer, and everything I've read of his seems like it's talking about now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Incredibly uh, yeah. prophetic wisdom that man had. Yeah, and, and speaking of Bob Inc., uh, we got some exciting news as we wrap up this episode. Uh, we're going to do another, another giveaway. Um, hey. So as we record this episode, I think tomorrow we're announcing the the chat. We're eventually launching the Chad Bird uh, set giveaway that we talked about in our two part series with Chad. Uh, and then for you guys, we're going to do a giveaway. Um, you just came out with these uh, new sweet coffee mugs. Uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, I think it's uh, Shop Distilling Theology. Um, yes. That section of the website, you can get one. They're like $14. Um, they have great quotes from Bob Inc. on those, and so we, we thought we would partner with you guys on a giveaway. We're going to also um, give away a coffee mug and uh, Bob Inc. on the Christian Life uh, that you can also snag at Crossway. Uh, so we'll be looking for that giveaway um, probably um, in the next week or so, um, we'll be giving that, that away and you can get a sweet coffee mug and a good book so you can uh, fill it up with coffee or your choice rum, whichever you want to do there and, uh, <laughs> read some Bob Inc. We hope you all enjoyed this bonus episode with our friends from Assurance of Pardon. We really enjoyed it. Be sure to check out their Facebook page and ours for updates on the giveaway. It's going to be live today. Uh, so go check that out. Enter to win. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. And next week, just a reminder, we'll be having on Austin Rifle from the Sippin' on Theology podcast to talk to us uh, about the canon of scripture. We'll be tasting Ardbeg tenure, and we are so excited. Uh, so Justin, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. Amen. Amen.